Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, boys. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of MLS Gone Wild. This is your host, Blem. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Poopus, here. Glad everybody's, be, everybody's back here, and we're excited for another episode. What's going on, everybody? Mike D here. We couldn't record a podcast last week, but I'm excited to chat it up with some of my favorite chums tonight. So before we introduce our guests and get into this episode, we would like to take a second to recognize and thank one of the pioneers in American soccer podcasting. Daryl Grove, host of the Total Soccer Show, is now receiving hospice care after doctors said there is nothing more they can do for his cancer. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Daryl, his family, Taylor Rockwell, his co-host, and all of the fans that have been on the journey with him. Two words, guys. Fuck cancer. So now to introduce our guest. Standing at six feet two inches, our guest has been a rock in FC Dallas' midfield this season. In the six games that FC Dallas have won this year, he started five of them. Regarded as one of the best athletes Dabo Sweeney has ever seen, our guest this week is FC Dallas homegrown and U-20 U.S. men's national team midfielder Tanner Testman. Tanner, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That's a, it's a nice intro. <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate that. A lot of work goes into it. So how are you yeah. doing today? How are you doing today? Yeah, I know about those intros, but uh, yeah, I'm doing well. We had a practice this morning, and uh, we're getting ready to, to go to Nashville tomorrow and hopefully get a win. Uh, so looking good, but I'm feeling good too, so yeah. Cool. So you said you know a little about, bit about preparing for those intros. Tanner? We see that you also have a podcast. Can you tell us a little about that? What's it about and where can people listen? Yeah, so we, uh, it's me and my two co-hosts, Johan Gomez and Justin Burns, shout out to them. But uh, we, uh, we just try to define success, whether it's with soccer, which is kind of our main category, but uh, we do all sports. Uh, we're trying to, trying to branch out even to different uh, arts and, and, and songwriting and different things like that. So uh, we can catch us anywhere, but we find us on uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. So we do the whole thing. Uh, Check it out. Cool. And what do the what do the listeners need to search for to find it? Just chum chat. Cool. Chum chat. Chum you chat. guys heard you guys heard it here. Leave him a rating and review once you guys go give it a listen. For sure. So before each podcast, we like to reach out to our fans for questions. This week we didn't disclose this to you prior to. It just so happens that we got a number of questions from your number one fan, your mom. Uh, we've selected three of the top ones that we that we thought were great. Uh, so, Poopus, do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, man. So, I mean, you know, I didn't make this up. This comes from your mom. So, she wouldn't know what's your favorite animal. And why? Oh, my day. There's got to be a reason why. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, when, like, when I first, we first started the Chum Chat, I would, like, I would reach out to my parents for help or on questions and things, and she always sent in these questions. So, I know, <laughs> I know what she's probably asking, but my favorite animal has got to be a lion. And uh, just because it's king, king of the jungle, it's fierce and uh, never backs down. So, Very good response. <laughs> yeah, good animal. Good animal choice, too. Yeah, we were looking at some of these questions because I think she sent about 10 of them. And we're like, we, we, there's got to be some kind of story behind some of these. Like, the favorite animal, like, there's got to be something crazy and elaborate. But hearing that it's a lion, that's, that's pretty cool, too. The one that I saw that I wanted to choose was she asked, how important was 3v3 for you? What does that mean and where does that kind of stem from? Yeah, so 
for me, uh, 3v3 was kind of the, the outlet to, to get noticed more. And I also helped create relationships that, you know, is going to last a, li- uh, last a lifetime. But um, it was something that a lot of Alabama guys did to kind of get more reach and uh, to meet new players and coaches and, and get experience and, and exposure. So we, we used to go to, to Disney every year to play in the Disney Showcase. I know they have like uh, 11 aside Disney every year. They have uh, youth tournaments, but they had a 3v3 tournament every year. And I mean, we went for seven or eight years and uh, we won once, which was like the biggest deal, greatest, mem- one of my greatest memories I ever like have in, in soccer. And then um, we came in second a couple of times and, and came in third, but it was something we did every year and it was something to look forward to. But I think the biggest thing for me is just creating my relationships with my two best friends, David Rona and Brooks Rice. David Rona used to play at Columbus Crew and now plays at Wake Forest and Brooks Rice plays at UAB in Alabama. But uh, and also Will Riker, the kicker for Alabama. Those those guys, we we traveled everywhere together. We grew up together, played three v three together. I mean, we did everything together. And to create those relationships with those guys, it, it was priceless, really. And just our families, our connections, um, it's really something special. But yeah, definitely three v three. Some that uh, you look at Brandon Cervania, he did his three v three as well, and it, it just it just really is an outlet for Alabama players. That's super cool, man. I love the small sided game. I play a lot of street soccer right now. So it's so cool to see that. I mean, it develops a different part of your game completely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I got a short, simple, sweet, to the point. Love winning or hate losing? I have to choose one or the other? Yeah. I think I just hate losing. But I don't know. I love winning too. But I think I just hate losing because I hate seeing somebody get the better of me. So. Absolutely. Okay, I agree a, with you. Yeah, it's a good mentality to have. So talking about winning and losing, right now you guys sit in sixth place in the West on 24 points. You guys will face off against Nashville for the third time tomorrow. You guys haven't scored a goal or won in your first two matches against the expansion side. A win can take you into fourth place with five games remaining before the playoffs. What do you guys need to do to ensure a victory in tomorrow's match against Nashville? Um. Honestly, I think for us, it's just uh, we want revenge. You know, they they took points from us at our home, uh, two games where I think we should have or could have done more. But it was right at the restart. I think we're a different team now. I think we've uh, grown a lot, have a lot of experience now, better chemistry with with new guys. So I think we just have to play our game. I think we have to do our style and and not honestly not focus on them too much. You know, they're going to try to do what they want to do, but our job is to shut that down and and try to play the way we want to play. And at the end of the day, score. We haven't scored against them, against them yet, so – Hopefully we can uh, score early and kind of control the game and, and dominate. So I think that's what we got to do. Yeah, we really look forward to that game. I, I hope you guys do get that first dub against Nashville, and I hope to see you guys get some buckets. For sure. All right, man. So Chris Richards, Brandon Cervania, and yourself are all originally from Birmingham, Alabama, and later ended up in the FC Dallas Academy system. So in your youth years, you traveled to Georgia to play for Georgia United. What was soccer scene like in Alabama? I mean, if you would ask any of us back then if we were ever going to make it out and Chris was going to be at Bayern Munich and and whatever, I mean, it wasn't even an idea. Um, guys, I only know one guy that ever got called to an national team camp that was from Alabama was Carter Emac. He was the first guy that I had ever seen go to national team camp, and that was, like, the biggest thing. In that moment, I was like, this is insane. I can't believe it. But – um. It, soccer in Alabama is definitely not like a, a high looked upon. Even when I was moving to Dallas at 14, I was playing basketball and, and soccer at the time. I wasn't playing football. And I remember when I told my basketball team, like, yo, I'm, I'm moving to 
uh, Texas to play soccer for FC Dallas, and they were just like, bro, what is soccer? Like, why are you, why are you going to play soccer? I'm like, well, it's kind of a big deal. So I'm, I'm going to go pursue what I want to do. But, you know, it's, it's just not something that a lot of people do and not, uh, not something a lot of guys are interested in and, and people don't really watch. But uh, I think definitely now with those names that you mentioned, we've definitely put ourselves on the map, and I think it's become more of a big thing and something to look out for. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, we, uh, we interviewed Justin Matt before, and he's from Mississippi, and he said pretty much the same exact yeah. thing. about Yeah, Mississippi. same thing for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, how soccer is not really Yeah, it helps a lot that now we got a, a pro team with uh, Birmingham Legion. So hopefully we can turn that into MLS team, and I think that will change everything, honestly, uh, if we have an MLS team. Because even at those games, we get a lot of fans. We get a lot of support. And uh, so hopefully we can get an MLS team, and that will change things. Yep, getting a professional team goes a long way in the development of your of your youth. So we just talked about you being from Birmingham, Alabama. You joined the FC Dallas Academy at the age of 14 in 2016. On April 27, 2019, you made your professional debut for USL League One side and FC Dallas affiliate North Texas SC, and then went on to win the title that year. You signed your homegrown contract for FC Dallas on February 27, 2020, and started the first game of the season two days later to make your FC Dallas debut. How important has the FC Dallas Academy and organization been to the development of your professional soccer career? I think it's been huge. I mean, I mean, I came here when I was 14, and that was kind of when I had the goal to, to become pro in sight. And um, being in the academy, the coaches, I mean, you look at the coaches there, professional coaches is just, just not there yet. You know, Lucci was coaching me at U17, and now he's the head coach. So I think that helps a lot, kind of having that pathway of a coach that I've played for that knows me that that brought me in and, and believes in me to now be my head coach of the, of the first team it it helps me um kind of have an advantage over other guys that maybe he doesn't know as well and doesn't believe in as, as much but um you know it's it's a really good I think it's the best academy in the USA so um especially now with the North Texas side and having those guys get in professional minutes and I mean it is what it is but um I think that that helps out development a lot especially for young guys getting to play against um, grown men, it, it just helps develop the physical side, which I think is what a lot of guys lack. Because, um, you know, they have the technique, they have the the smart, they have the, the vision, but they just don't have that physical side. So getting that North Texas in is like huge. So I think, uh, yeah, FC Dallas is definitely the pathway. Yeah, so you talked about them, FC Dallas being one of the best academy systems in the United States. We had the opportunity to talk to Brendan Aronson, who's actually playing right now. And he went to the YSC Academy, which is Philly's residency program. FC Dallas is a very similar uh, program it's a residency what are the benefits of the residency program yeah for um philly's residency and fc dallas residency are definitely different but um you know fc dallas i think the the, the biggest thing for residency is I, I got to live with guys that were from mexico were from guatemala came in from africa that i'd never even been to or exposed to so it really just gives you that culture and and also kind of makes you grow up on your own because the philly residency you live with the family for, as far as i understand and and you still have that family aspect, but in, uh, in FC Dallas, when I was in residency, you live in an apartment with, you either live in an apartment with four other guys, or you live at a house with five other guys, so you kind of don't have that, uh, that family aspect, you have to kind of fend for yourself, and, and do things yourself, and find rides, and cook food, and kind of grow up earlier than you should, so I think, um, I think that was the biggest benefit of being in the FC Dallas Academy, is just growing up faster, and, and learning to mature on and off the field. Cool, like I said, you went there at the age of 14, a question that your mom sent us that we didn't get to touch on earlier was, was there ever a doubt at the age of 14 of leaving home in Alabama to go to Dallas? 
was there a doubt of leaving home? Um, for me, no. Like, uh, I was confident. I wasn't nervous. I, I, I didn't feel like I was going to miss people that much. Um, obviously, I have friends that, uh, like my two best friends, I was leaving them. But they, I mean, they supported me. They know that that's what they wanted to do. And I'm getting to do what they wanted to do. So, you know, they had full support of me and my family as well. I know they had doubts, whatever. But um, for me, no. My only doubt was if I could make a pro. And, and I just put the work in. And, and that's, where, that's where I am today. So, but uh, not really any doubts, no. You were chasing the dream, my man. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah. You talked about Lucci a little bit. Lucci was the academy director for FC Dallas for seven years before becoming the head coach for the first team. How committed is Lucci to developing young talent? Oh, 100%. I think that's what he loves doing. That's what uh, his goal is. Uh, you see Reggie Cannon. I mean, they, his goal was to get him there. It wasn't to, to use Reggie to win an MLS Cup or use Reggie to get him to the national team and make him look bigger. It's all about developing guys and, and reaching their dreams. And that says a lot about the league. I know that there's been rumors floating around that there's certain players in the MLS that ownership has said, no, we got to keep them in the MLS just because of their names. And now we've talked about it on previous podcasts, the MLS turning into almost, well, turning into evolving into a selling league. And what you just shared about Lucci and Reggie Cannon was very important. And it's kind of the model that I believe the MLS is taking going forward. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully that's big. I mean, I just think the more guys you get from the MLS or from America around the world, like they keep talking about, we got 10 guys playing Champions League that are from the U.S. now. It's, I mean, that's, that's different. We never had that. And that's going to help us on a world stage and help us um, hopefully win a, a World Cup. I mean, that's, that's the goal, or at least qualify this year, hopefully. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the goal is to, to try to compete against these other countries. Yeah, it's yeah and to – to just one second, Mike T, to touch on what you were just talking about, Tanner, I do have a quote up here from Chris Richards that applies to what you just said. Recently on U.S. Men's National Team Only Twitter, they have a quote here. It says, there are many young kids in the FC Dallas Academy that, when exposed to this environment, will no doubt become amazing players. It's just a matter of them getting out of their comfort zone and not being afraid to do it. Hopefully, Tanner, yeah. we get to, hopefully we get to see you take that kind of opportunity too. I know FC Dallas has that partnership with Bayern Munich. You know, what, what do you think about the Chris Richards move and his statement that I just read to you? I mean, I have all love for Chris Richards, a guy I grew up with, um, proud of him. And I think he's right on. I think there's a lot of guys that, um, I mean, I, I've spoken to guys that even when it was like on a smaller scale of back when I was thinking about going to college and I'd be like, you think, you think I could play in college? And they'd be like, yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's the same thing. Now, when with guys over overseas playing at these, you know, you talk to Reggie, I talked to Reggie, and he's like, yeah, you could 100% play, 100%. It's like, okay, well, why am I not there? It's like, okay, well, it takes steps. You got to do the process. And at the end of the day, if you work hard enough and opportunities fall in line, you'll get there. So you just got to believe in that. And I think now a lot of kids are believing in that. And that's why you see so many kids over there taking that, taking that leap. So I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, man, there's been a dramatic shift for the – for the American soccer pool players going overseas and it's amazing to see. So like Blake said, I'm, I'm, we're loving what you're doing right now in the MLS, but I'd love to see you over there in, uh, in Europe playing somewhere. But before you left to play for FC Dallas Academy, like you said, at the age of 14, you had a 10 day trial for the Philadelphia union residency Academy, but you were told they didn't have a spot for you. Fast forward to February 29th, 2020, where you made your debut for FC Dallas first team. And not only did you make your debut, you started, 
you played the full 90 and you recorded an assist to Pax Pomacol to lead your team to a win over the Philadelphia Union, that same team that said they didn't have a spot for you five years prior. Describe your emotions in recording your first start against the Union and getting that assist. Yeah, I mean, once I saw we were playing Philly, it was, it was kind of an inside thing that was motivating me. I didn't need the motivation. It was my first game. I didn't need the motivation of MLS debut, at home, fans, whatever. Uh, I had my own motivation. And, and to get an assist, I mean, Paxson did a – that was a great play by him. So, I mean, it was cool and whatever. But, I mean, it's, it was credit to Paxson. He had a great little dribble and, and finish there. But, uh, no, it was at, the, at the end of the game, just to get the three points, that's the biggest thing. I think my emotions were high, and I was, I was ecstatic just to, to get my first one in the MLS and, and to play the full 90 to help my team. And uh, hopefully I can continue doing that here tomorrow at versus Nashville. So. Yeah, man. Don't discredit yourself, though. You were involved in that. And, I mean, two days after signing that pro contract, man, that's sick. So hats off to you. I appreciate that, yeah. Were you expecting to start two days after signing your homegrown contract? Was that something that you were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that? Well, like when I was signing, like the two days before, yeah, I was expecting to start because it was kind of in like the training in the week. I was like, it was like going to happen if I could get if I could get the contract in the right way and, and sign it. But um, before that, like, no, when I was in preseason and it wasn't really something I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start this first game of the year. I'm going to sign like it wasn't really like that. But that that week and that week before, maybe I was kind of uh, <laughs> expecting it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So listeners, yeah. we're going to take a <clears throat> listeners. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors at a time outfitters. We'll be back in 60 seconds. We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtics 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? At a Time Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands that let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible, elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each At a Time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters. Thanks for sticking around. Welcome back to MLS Gone Wild's interview with FC Dallas homegrown Tanner Tessman. Head over to Added Time Outfitters' website for your soccer-inspired wristbands and stickers. Use promo code GONEWILD at checkout to receive 10% off your entire order. All right, man. So at 17 goals against, FC Dallas are tied for first in the Western Conference for at least goals against. With, with you playing the six, how important have your, have your performances been protecting the back line and looking up the middle, midfield? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the goal is to not get scored on. And uh, it's to score goals. But uh, – that's the thing with playing six is you uh, you kind of focus more on on not getting scored on than you do scoring. But uh, for me, I'm a player that wants to do both to contribute to both sides of the field and get in the attack. And playing six, it's uh, you don't get there as much, and your your main focus is to defend and to make sure you're you're helping the team in that way. But uh, I mean, either way, whatever they want me to do, I, I can do it. And and playing six, uh, 
you get the ball in different places and you have different options. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's what I got to do to help the team and it'll help me develop uh, to, to reach the next level. And I think that's great. So I'm, I'm here to do it. So one thing I just want to bring up John Luca Busio for a second. I saw the article that came out today where you and Lucci actually talked to MLS and you said that Busio is your uh, number one, 22 under 22. So he's recently had to change positions and, you know, he's been a wide player. He's played the 10, he's played the eight, but now Peter Vermees is asking him to play more of the six role and being a deep lying playmaker. And yes, I know that you just said that you have a lot of defensive responsibilities and protecting that back line and focus more on not getting scored on rather than scoring goals. But in your last game against Sporting Kansas City, your ability, not only in that game and a lot of people regarding that game as your best game so far as a pro, but your ability to play the long ball is phenomenal. I mean, there was a ball that you played from like the very right corner of the attacking half all the way into the 18 on a dime. So in saying that, you're really good at your long balls, but what do you feel like your best attribute is as a six? My best attribute is a six. Um, I think I have to agree with just my distribution of uh, getting guys the ball where they can get in the attack and create chances. But um, I think just my presence in the midfield is is my best attribute, just being in there, creating a difficult scene for the other guys on the other team and, and helping my team and whatever it may be. I mean, um, aerial do aerial duels is another thing that I think I'm, I'm dominant in that I, I don't lose many. So I think that helps more as a six, I can, I can drop more and, and win an aerial duel. And whereas an eight, maybe I wouldn't be able to get to that ball. But um, yeah, I think those are a couple of things that as a six are what are my, my dominant things. Yeah. You certainly look calm and confident in the midfield. I just talked about how a lot of people, especially on Twitter, we're all over Twitter, um, but your name is also all over Twitter and people are regarding your last game against Sporting Kansas City as your best game so far as a pro, like I just said. So just from stats, for, some stats from that game, excuse me, five of six accurate long balls, two key passes, two interceptions, two block shots, and seven of 11 passes in the final third in 90 minutes. Through your first 13 games for FC Dallas, you've shown the ability to do both the offensive and defensive work. Luchi Gonzalez, the head coach of FC Dallas, has primarily deployed you as the number six this year. But in a quote that you had with one goal U.S. men's national team, you said, I'm just too in love with scoring goals. I want to get forward. I want to have shots. Have you had a conversation with Luchi in regards to wanting to get into the attack? And where does he see you fitting into the team best? Um, yeah, I, I definitely did say that. And I still believe that. And, um, but uh, no, I think, um, I think me and Lucy and, and the team are just waiting for that shot. I think um, it's going to go in soon. I've had a couple shots, some off target, some on target, but um, playing the six or eight, you, you still get chances, um, whether the volume is different, but um, you still get looks, you get opportunities and it's if you take them and, and can do them. So honestly, I think, I mean, Lucci jokes about it with me a little bit, just saying, when's the goal going to come? Like, when is it? It's like three weeks ago, he's telling me. And so I'm still sitting here waiting for it. But um, hopefully it can be soon. I think I can score at a six, eight, ten center back. I think I can score anywhere on the field if I get the opportunity. So it's just a matter of putting myself there and uh, creating, it, creating opportunities for myself, going and getting them. Right. And it seems like the six is the place where Lucci wants you to play. And it seems like we just talked about you are locking up the back line and locking up that midfield. But with Luching 
wanting apparently for you to play that six is that the position that he thinks is best for you and is going to help you make a move over to Europe um I think uh at the moment we just the, our roster of, of guys uh we need another six we have Tiago and then we have me those are the two sixes with Edwin Cerrillo Edwin Cerrillo playing with uh, North Texas he uh he he can't get minutes with us um but um we have guys Brandon Cervania, Brian Acosta Andres, those are more of our attacking midfielders. So I think just this year and the role I take is uh, being another six. But I think um, we haven't spoke about it, but I think Lucci is, is, is confident putting me at the eight or six. Um, both will help me uh, reach my goals. But definitely as a six, taking that more defensive role, showing what I can do on both sides of the ball, whereas some guys may think I, I don't defend and they see the long passes and they see the, the balls forward and the shots. They say, oh, well, this guy can't defend. So maybe putting me at the six uh, helps show that, but I think definitely eight or six, ten, those are gonna those positions are gonna help me reach what I what I got to do. So, all right, man. So you know, being the large man that you are, standing at six foot two, you are a physically imposing figure in the midfield. So if you had to compare yourself to anybody else, who would it be? I'd say uh, Paul Pogba for uh, Man U. I'd say uh, that's somebody that I kind of rep, uh, re re replicate my game after, but. Um, I kind of like to have my own style a little bit, so I don't try to try to follow other guys too much, but definitely uh, Paul Pogba. Cool. Yeah, I can absolutely see it. He's also a big physically imposing player in Manchester United and France's midfield. Yeah. So before we move on, our next main question is about the U.S. men's national team, but I briefly talked about the article that came out today with you and Lucci about the, U the 22 under 22. Take yourself – see it from Lucci's perspective. Take yourself out of it. Where would you see yourself falling in the 22 under 22? Man, I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know what guys in the league are 22 years or younger. So, um, it'd be cool to see my name on that list. But at the end of the day, it's not something that, that I, I focus on too much or, or care about as much. But, um, I mean, it'd be nice to see my name at number one. But uh, if it's going to be number one, I don't know. And it doesn't really affect me and my playing. But, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a cool thing they can do for the fans and kind of follow guys. But, I mean, for me, we play the same teams every other week. So I only see a certain amount of guys. And, and I, don't, I don't follow the MLS crazy amount. So I don't, I don't see those guys and, and what guys are doing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool. But if not, you know, it's not a big deal. But hopefully in a, at least a top 22, right? But I, don't know. I think I think so. I think that I haven't told Poopus and Mike D this yet, but I think some homework this week is going to be to compile our 22. And Tanner, I think you're definitely going to be in it. At least you're getting my vote. Nice, nice. I appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> All right. So, Tanner, you were called into the first U-20 U.S. Men's National Team training camp in September 2019 under then-head coach Todd Ramos. Since then, former Colorado Rapids head coach Anthony Hudson has taken over and you were left out of the 2020 January camp. How important is it for you to get back into the U-20 U.S. men's national team picture, and what do you need to improve upon to get into Hudson's squad for the 2021 U-20 World Cup? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's important to be in those international games and get those experience and be a part of the national team. It's, it's a dream that I've always had to, to compete in the World Cup and, and be a part of a team, a uh, national team that wins different things and, and goes on to do great things. But um, – this U-20 World Cup is, is something I want to be a part of for sure. It's something I'm working for, something I have in the back of my mind. But for me, it's not something I'm, I'm thinking about every day and, and um, really pushing for, making sure that I'm, 
I don't want to get uh, my hopes up in a sense. You know, it's something that I definitely want to do. And and we've had me and Anthony Hudson have had talks about uh, upcoming events and, and different things like that. But nothing's really final yet, especially with Corona. It's, I mean, the the whole thing could change tomorrow. We could not have the U20 World Cup or we could have a camp that's supposed to be scheduled and, and things and reg regulations change. So for me, it's really just focusing on FC Dallas and, and hoping that I can uh, get opportunities here and perform well to hopefully get me opportunities at, at the U20s and hopefully uh, U23s upcoming and then hopefully the senior team one day. But yeah, definitely something I think about and, and want to do. But at this moment, especially with Corona, it's, it's kind of tough to, to see where that's going to go. So speaking on the coronavirus, you were you and Nashville were the two teams that were kind of quarantined in Disney and were unable to play. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into what that experience was like? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an experience that I – going there, I didn't think was going to be like that at all, especially, like, seeing other teams play and seeing other teams walk around the hotel from our window on our balconies. It was tough just to see these other teams get opportunities that we would have had but we didn't get. And um, just being in the rooms, stuck there, um, for me, um, it was tough. It was tough to be away from um, from Dallas and, and uh, family and, and not to be – honestly, not to feel safe. To be there scared every day that you're going to test positive was, like, the worst feeling because we test in the mornings and you wait all day to just get your result. And to hear some of my teammates get, get tested positive at an early stage, it was, like, really disappointing. And, and I felt for those guys. And also just to be there with the guys sick, um, can't even get out of bed, and not to be able to help them, not to be able to go to them and say something or – not even to be able to FaceTime them because they're telling them don't be on your phones because it, it'll affect you in the long run. So it's just tough. Uh, it was a tough experience, but I think definitely it's, it's given us opportunities to, to bond more as a team, to, to come out stronger, as come back stronger as the hashtag. But um, definitely I think it, it's going to help us in the long run, and it's going to be something memorable that we always have as a team. But uh, it was definitely tough missing out on that tournament, a tournament that I think we could have won because we have, we have strong depth in our team. and. Um, so it was disappointing and, and it's tough, but I think we're I think we're a better team because of it. Yeah, it was definitely an unprecedented time. This has been a very unprecedented 2020 season, but we're just glad that all of you guys made it home eventually healthy and you guys are back to playing soccer again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tanner, we we're gonna move on just a little bit kind of outside of the soccer. We've talked a little bit about soccer and your career. But we'd be doing the podcast an injustice if we didn't talk a little bit about Clemson. So, December 18, 2019, you committed to playing not only soccer, but football for Clemson University. And although you never played a competitive football game or soccer game, Dabo Sweeney, your godfather, watched as you smashed 50-yard field goals with not only your right, but your left foot. And... Two months later, after never kicking a football for Clemson, you signed your professional contract for FC Dallas. Tanner, walk us through these crazy two months. Yeah, I mean, at the time I was looking for a school to commit to, so I had gone a couple of visits to Wake Forest. I went to Clemson a bunch, um, North Carolina. Um, was planning on going to Duke, and uh, those schools, you know, I was interested in. It wasn't a, a guarantee to go to Clemson. It wasn't like um, I'm just going to go visit for fun and – and then I'm going to Clemson. Like, it wasn't like that. It was, it was, I was genuinely interested in schools and I was thinking about putting myself in that situation of going there. And then, you know, with the opportunity to go to Clemson and, and kick a football as, as well, it was, 
the opportunities were endless there and it, it gave me the best chance to to succeed in life so I I committed to Clemson it was it was really coming down between Wake Forest and Clemson and and I chose Clemson uh to be around my family a lot of reasons but um then when the opportunity came to sign pro um it, it was back when we were driving back from the San Antonio game when we came back and like it was like 2-0 and then we came back and won 3-2 in the last five minutes um for preseason for the FC Dallas team and and I got offered a contract it was something I definitely had to think about it wasn't um you know I'm just gonna sign but um at the end of the day I was I moved to Dallas when I was 14 just to 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 have a goal of signing pro so when the opportunity came it was like yeah let's do it so uh, I talked with my family they supported me again 100 percent and uh, to get the chance to sign pro with FC Dallas it was let's go so um definitely Dabo I feel like he was a little bit disappointed just because of the way he I think he did it to himself though the way he hyped him up hyped me up so much with uh, all his comments and then to not have me there uh it was tough that, especially since he took a chance on me you know um I never I didn't have film I didn't play in high school I didn't have any records of anything so he took a chance on me to come and uh hopefully help the team out but you know to for me not to go it was, it was kind of tough for him but you know he he supports me 100% whether the jokes or the seriousness he he, he has my back so that's amazing that's such a cool story to hear i mean I was reading a little bit and seeing that you went out to a camp with kickers that have been doing this for years, going out there and just kind of being better than all of those guys. You know, I mean, I'd take a chance on you too if I was Tavo, so I totally get it. But um, walk us through kind of a little bit of that decision-making process when you did get offered that SC Dallas contract with, okay, well, do I go to Clemson and play football and play soccer and see what kind of can happen for me? in this direction or going to FC Dallas to play MLS professional soccer? Yeah, well, the biggest thing for me was really just what's going to develop me more um, for the next year. So it was coming to FC Dallas. Back then, it was kind of a mindset of I'll probably play with North Texas. I'll, I won't get many opportunities to play with the first team. Maybe I will. It's, it's definitely a chance, but maybe I won't. Maybe I'll play with North Texas. So realistically, is is North Texas better than Clemson? So if I go to Clemson, I, I'll play minutes at, at, on the soccer team. I, I believed I'd earn those minutes, and, and I'll play those minutes. And I'll get opportunities on the football field that will open up doors that maybe I don't know. Maybe they'll be bad, but possibly they'll be great because Clemson is a great uh, organization in, in the football world. So it was going to give me a lot of opportunities either way. But those were kind of things I was weighing up as well as you go to Clemson, you get an education. So it was something that I had to talk to FC Dallas about and say, well, I want an education. And uh, I want to develop. Those were the two things that was that was the biggest things. When I was talking to Mike Newton, the Clemson coach, it was I want to I want to develop and I want to go overseas, and that's what I want to do. So um, he believed that he could help me do that, and Lucci believes that he could help me do that. So uh, when it came down to it, it was uh, I believed I could earn minutes in the MLS. So I, I took a chance and, and signed with FC Dallas. But even if I was playing with North Texas, I'd still be happy. I'd be grateful, and I think I made the right decision. Um, and then Corona kind of happened and uh, that's changed everything. I'm very grateful I've made the decision to sign pro because I couldn't imagine going through the Corona stuff with, I mean, I'm not even sure if I'd be able to play football and soccer at Clemson. You know, I don't, I don't know the regulations they got. So it's, I feel bad for those guys in college, um, guys and girls in all sports, but uh, that was kind of the decision process um, with, with me and my family that uh, made me to sign pro. Yeah. yeah, your your story is crazy, man. So you just talked about part of your decision-making process to play for FC Dallas was, you know, where can you get the best development? And you said that you wanted to develop into a soccer player and go play over in Europe. 
I've read that there was some European interest. Where exactly was that from? Do you know? I, you tell me. I don't know. I wish there was. So I, I, I thought I saw some rumors that there was a possibility of you going to do like a um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Trial. A trial, yes, at some European clubs. Um, I definitely was – I went – it was around Dallas Cup. Um, that's like in August, am I right? Or no, I don't know. But uh, around Dallas Cup, I was talking to a few agents, I guess you could say, that had the chance to send me on a trial to, to maybe a team in Germany and then um, another team somewhere else. But um, it wasn't anything final. It wasn't anything that I'd really committed to at all. But it was kind of in the works around Dallas Cup. And then it, it really never – took spark got it so you're from Alabama you're really close with Dabo Sweeney we'll get into your relationship with him here in a second who do you cheer for man Clemson or Bama Clemson all the way all right all right I'm, I, I don't I don't know how to feel I'm impartial about that because you can see we're Buckeye fans <laughs> so right. what is your what is your relationship with Dabo Sweeney so he's I call him Uncle Bo he's a godfather to me but um Basically, he's, it's kind of complicated, so I can walk you through the steps. But um, the best connection that I have with him is my dad and him grew up together. They went to high school together in, in Pelham, Alabama, and then they were best friends through college. And then they kind of always had this relationship. Um, we go on holiday with them every year uh, in July, for Fourth of July in, in Boca Grande, uh, Florida. And uh, we celebrate Christmas Eve together. So it's, it's always a, it's been a ritual just to be around them a bunch and uh, they're, they're family to me. So um, whether you call it uncle, whatever you want to call it, I, I see them as family bottom line, but uh, it's a great, great relationship. It's uh, definitely something special. It definitely shocks people when you tell them to. Yeah. So he's a really competitive, fiery guy, hell of a football coach for Clemson. Has he had any kind of, well, I'm sure he has, but what kind of an impact has he had on you as an athlete? Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of – just being around him, you see you see what he's about, just the way he holds himself and carries himself. But um, everything he does is about winning. We go – Fourth of July, we play a softball game on the fourth. And, I mean, we got moms, we got four-year-olds, and he's about winning. He's out there. He doesn't want to lose. He's picking his teams like he wants to win. And it's, he's just a competitive guy. And it's all, it's all fun and games in a sense, you know, but he's just about winning. We, the, some of the greatest members I have are on the basketball court. Uh, every year we go to Boca and we play basketball games three, four times a week that we're down there. We're, we're there for 12, 12 days. So we play a bunch and, uh, just the competitiveness he's on the court. I mean, he's, I mean, he's one of the worst players on the court <laughs> and he's just so competitive and he's so driven to win that he gets mad at himself and he's, and he's out there sweating, like he's dripping and he's grinding. So he's just, his work ethic and his mentality that he has is just being around him. You learn a lot, but, uh, as an athlete, definitely. I mean, he's a coach, so everything – I remember it was, a, it was probably two weeks ago, our photographer took some pictures of me, and we were – it was me and Bern Sylvania. We were kind of messing around with a soccer ball, throwing it like a football, and I sent him the pictures, and I was like, Trevor Lawrence ain't got nothing on me. And then he's, <laughs> he's, he's, already, he's already criticizing my form. Like, I didn't even – it was like a joke, whatever, and he's criticizing my form on my technique, on my stance and everything. I was like, all right, it's not that serious, but, you know, it's it, it funny. You know, he's, he, he understands, but – uh. No, just the way he carries himself and, and how he holds people accountable is, is, is something special. That's a really cool relationship, man. <laughs> That's awesome. 
All right, so bringing it back to soccer a little bit. Last question before we kind of wrap things up here. On October the 17th, the Supporter Shield Foundation, who exists to promote and protect the MLS Supporter Shield, announced that they would forego awarding the Supporter Shield for the 2020 season. They continued by saying, this is not an easy decision to make. With the inability for supporters to be in attendance and fill their stadiums with passion, we feel as though the current climate goes against the spirit of the Shield. Tanner, what are your thoughts on the foundation not awarding the Supporter Shield trophy in these unprecedented times during this season? You know, it's, it's tough because it's something that you want to win, something you want to compete for. But um, only playing four or five teams in the whole league, um, it's, not really, it's not really fair to give a supporter shield to, I mean, to those teams. I mean, to us, if we were in first, I would say the same thing. Um, it, it's just not really fair to, to play the same teams every week and say that you were the best team in the league when you didn't play some teams. But, uh, you know, if they, if they were given it, I would, I would whoever win, and, you know, congratulate them. But let's move on to MLS Cup. Let's win the next thing. So, for us, it's something that we definitely wanted to compete for. It's definitely something that we thought about and that we were fighting for uh, to, to win, bring home to us. But it's really just – it's it's their decision. So, it was something I can't control either. So, um, I think the MLS did the, is trying the best job they can to help us get games and help us uh, continue to have this year uh, to make it possible. So, um I know they're trying their best, and and I know that's a tough decision to make for them. But, um, yeah, definitely disappointed not to get the chance to, to compete for that. But I think it's fair. Yeah, I think Thanks. I do agree with you. Um, like you said, playing the same teams and, and then being given the, the supporter shield, if you do win, it, it is kind of, you know, an asterisk. But um, something that you said that I liked was that MLS is doing a great job and trying to make the season feel kind of like a new normal. You know, bringing the MLS back and, and having soccer really is amazing. And so I think that not having the supporter shield yet, it's, it's unfortunate, but we still have soccer and hopefully we still get to see, you know, the MLS Cup at the end of this, at the end of all of this. So I think sure, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I didn't know there was a supporter shield foundation that's like a separate entity outside of the MLS that gets to like they said, promote and protect the supporter shield. Like, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I agree with that side of it. My biggest issue with it is we've known that there has been this asterisk on the 2020 season since the second game of the MLS season. We've played all these games. You've got these teams that are running away with the supporter shield right now, like Toronto and Philly is competing for it and, and the crew. And even Seattle over in the West is, you know, still in the running. But to wait until there's only five games left in the regular season to where these teams are chasing this trophy, for God's sake, I just watched Brendan Aronson uh, and his presser after he got named, after it was announced he was going to Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg. He said he wanted to bring two trophies to Philly before he leaves, one of those being the Supporter Shield. And, you know, we're in the home stretch right now. So if they would have made this decision earlier, for me it would have been okay. But we're at the home stretch of the season. Like – yeah, you're playing the same teams over and over. Tanner, you guys are playing Nashville for the third time now this season. The Columbus Crews played FC Cincinnati, I think, four times. So I do understand that aspect. But even though we're talking about 2020 having an asterisk over it for a negative reason, I think teams just being able to persevere through everything that's happened this season is deserving for this kind of trophy. Yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair statement for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I feel bad for those guys, but um, it's, uh, 
it's a tough year and the decision's hard for the MLS to make. So like I said, I'm, I'm sure they're trying their best and there's different sides coming from every team with their opinion of how it should be and what's going on. So, I mean, it is what it is, but it's, it's something that I can't control. So something those guys can't control either, but you can yeah. definitely fight for it. And I'm sure they made their voices heard. Uh, Philly crew, all those guys wanted to have it. So. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's just been a hot button topic for the past couple of days. So Tanner, you being a player, we just kind of wanted to get your opinion on it. Yeah. All right. So boys, that's the end of our scripted questions that we have, all the questions that we had planned. Do you guys have anything else? I know I have a couple more. No, I mean, I don't have anything else on my part, but I appreciate you coming out here to take some time out of your day with, you know, training and everything with FC Dallas and put one away tomorrow against Nashville. You have a good chance to, so get yes. one for yeah. Hey, yes, I need that. Thank you. I'll, I'll do my best. That'll be something, right? Get him on the podcast the next day. He scores a goal. Hey, we had it with Kellen Acosta, man. We had Kellen Acosta on the podcast right before his game, in one of his games in the MLS back tournament. The next day, boom, scores a goal. So hopefully that happens for you as well. I got Might one question go on. because I think that Blake is going to want to ask mm -hmm. the other questions in the back of my mind. You said something about my scarves. Do you have an EPL team? And if so, who is it? Yes, sir. It's the team on your right. Liverpool, let's get it. Oh, no, baby, let's go. So I'm talking about, yo, Virgil, breaking my heart. That was terrible. Pickford, red card, get him out of here. That's a terrible call, too, the offside. I mean, that's oh, – Terrible call. Terrible call. Hey, but we're going we're gonna to bounce back. You know, we, uh, we have the lineup. Uh, we're the best team in the Prem, so that's hey, about it, really. I, I think – less, man. I, less. They may be the best team, in air quotes, in the Prem, but I believe I saw a stat the other day – that they've given up more goals than any other team in the prim. Anybody confirm that with me? Is that correct? When you're on, when you're on, yeah, that's top, fine. When you're on top, everybody's gunning for you, so it's all good. Yeah, that's fine. So how, we score guys, goals too. So, how do you guys think the Virgil Van Dyke injury is going to affect Liverpool's title run, title defense? Well, for me, it's kind of a. I think it can be good in a sense because you know you got guys behind them that maybe watch some of his performances, especially at the beginning of the year, and seeing them slip up a little bit and. It's kind of those center backs coming in, boosting themselves, saying, you know, I can do better than that. So they're working hard in training. They're pushing themselves. So to see Virgil go down, you know, it's, it's tragic. But I think those guys are ready to step up and make a difference because, you know, Virgil's one of those players that's real calm and he, and he and controls the game and is and maybe sometimes just a little bit too calm. And I think the players that are coming in this year, Liverpool needs a little bit of spark. So I think I think it's going to be good, honestly. Yeah, I definitely think it could be – there could be a positive – connotation to it because like you said you know when, when somebody with the stature of, of Virgil goes down and, and the ability of Virgil goes down and you got guys on the bench that have been wanting to play somebody's got to step in and fill that spot so and I think Liverpool's resilient and they always find a way so they I think they're going to do it it's going to be things going to be fine it's going to be great who are y'all right, so I got two... didn't say? Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan so I'm a Chelsea fan Oh, I'm Oof. sorry too. Yeah. <laughs> we we, we had a, we we all had a bad weekend. Um, all right, so Tanner, I have two more questions for you, and then we'll let you go, man. I know you're busy. So Dallas Cowboys are losing twenty-one to three right now. Are you a Cowboys fan? No. Okay, cool. Who are you a fan of? Um, I'm really not on the NFL scene much, but uh, I kind of follow players a little bit, but not really any any teams. So. 
Gotcha. Just wanted to make sure. No, you're an FC Dallas player. Just wanted to make sure you weren't a Cowboys fan because Poopus and I's Cleveland Browns just smacked them last weekend. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, my only – oh, thank you. Thank you. We don't win often. So, my only other question for you, FIFA 21 just came out. You're rated a 94. Thoughts on that? A 94, Chuck? You sure about that? I'm kidding. That would be amazing if you were 94. You'd be in a gold pack, a platinum pack. You're a 64. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big video game player, so I don't, I, didn't, I don't really follow that much stuff. But, you know, guys around the team are talking about their stats and, and uh, complaining a little bit. It's, it's, all, it's all fun and jokes. But, I mean, it's cool. It's cool to see me kind of have a, a pretty good card. I, I think it's a pretty good card. Um, so it's, it's, it kind of shows off the, the work that you put in and, and people taking notice to it, I guess. But it, it's, uh, it's definitely something funny to joke, out, joke about with the boys, just uh, me being faster than some of our fastest players and, and just funny stuff. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's definitely fun to joke about. That's, that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah, your long ball is sitting at a 70, and that doesn't surprise me after you were kicking 50-yard field goals with both feet in Dabo Sweeney's camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they need to add a kicking stat. I think I'd be up in that. Absolutely. So one more question since you just said it. After your soccer career is over, do you think you would ever get back into or try to kick field goals? Um, I think it's definitely um, dependent on the circumstance, but it's definitely something I have in the back of my head. Uh, you saw it yesterday. Let me, let me find this uh, screenshot. It was a uh, an NFL kicker who just um, made his debut um, for oh, I think yeah. it was the Jaguars. Yeah, and he had never never kicked a field goal in uh, college, high school, or anything like that, and he just made his debut. So hey, you know, possibilities are endless. Uh, opportunities are there. So maybe uh, I'll be the second guy to do that. You never know. Hey man, that would be tight. That'd be really cool to see. I. Mike D, Poopus, you go ahead and give your closings, and I'll close us out, fellas. No, man, I mean, I already said thank you again for joining us and, you know, taking the time out of your day, your busy schedule and stuff. So, and then, like I said yesterday, or just before, you'll get a goal tomorrow. I guarantee it. You'll, you'll put <laughs> one away. You'll put one away. Yeah, we're sure. on our podcast tonight. So, but I just want to thank you again for taking your time and uh, appreciate everything. Yeah, for sure. Of course. That's an MLS gone wild three degree guarantee by Poopus. Tanner, thanks again for coming on. Get some rest, man. Big game tomorrow. Best of luck to you. We'll be watching. Yep. Tanner, this is Blem from myself, Poopus, and Mike D. We appreciate having you on, like they just said. Best of luck in tomorrow's match. Everybody, if you guys listen to this podcast and made it all the way through, please not only give us a rating review and subscribe, but also type in Chump Chat in that search bar. Give them a subscription, a rating, and review as well. That's Tanner Testament's podcast. We had Tanner Testament on the show tonight. FC Dallas homegrown, U20, U.S. Men's National Team International. Tanner, thanks for coming on to MLS Gone Wild, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a good time. Definitely got some takeaways to, to implement into Chump Chat, so... We got you. Word up. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank, thanks Thank again, brother. And for everybody that's listening, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and watch Tanner Testament tomorrow because Poopa said he's getting a goal. Catch y'all next week. Peace. Yeah,